Blog Talk Radio. Is 
instances, I haven't been quite uh, communicative here, uh, and uh, I, I hope that uh, I can remedy that tonight. Um, anyway, as a rule, human beings are unable to remember anything about any past lives that uh, may have they may have had. That's kind of interesting, you know. But, of course, there are exceptions, and many people have collected a great deal of evidence of such memories, which evidence uh, is extremely interesting. In fact, I think we would find it uh, impossible to deny that some people at least uh, have lived before. And when we consider that we are unable to remember a great deal of our present life, especially things which have affected our characters deeply until they are laid bare by a psychoanalyst, it is not surprising if we do not remember past lives. But we are told that the experience gained in such lives is retained by us in those qualities, uh, which we describe as having a conscience, an instinct, or a knack. According to this, then, a child protege is the result of a continuous effort of past lives along some particular line. It might uh, re reasonably follow that imbecility is the result of a continuous refusal to use the brain and make effort. That to be a dwarf or crippled is the karma of one who in previous lives neglected his body and that an epileptic is probably discharging the depth of some of continuous immorality in the past. In the light of this reasoning, we could feel that there is no injustice or inequality in life because the egos are uh, choosing their own ways of learning uh, life's lessons, uh, which, can also, which can only be uh, learned through experiencing and suffering. Believing this, then uh, we could blame our parents um, for nothing since we are the masters of our own fate and uh, reap exactly as we have sown in the past the effects of the course karma. We are told that certain groups of people incarnate together at intervals in this way Old injuries and insults must be uh, recompensed. Old em enmities uh, finally adjusted and old loves uh, allowed to continue and to grow and beautify. Nothing is lost. Nothing is wasted. Everything finally reaches the same goal of perfection, although they are uh, all in such different stages and classes now. No man becomes perfect or attains his goal so long as there is a single feeling of enmity between him and another, or a score that has not been settled and wiped out by service and friendship. This is what Christ meant when he gave us the difficult injunction to turn the other cheek, neighbor, as, uh, and to offer thy cloak also to him who shall take thy cloak. If we love our neighbor as ourselves, we cannot mind to whom the coat, the coat belongs. These conceptions are very difficult for a selfish world to grasp as yet, and few of us have the pluck to try them out. We limit ourselves by being possessive. The greatest things we can have, wisdom, health, and power, are 
all-pervading and cannot be divided. They can only develop and be shared. Possessiveness, uh, on the other hand, causes wars, cruelties, uh, jealousies, and sufferings. It can never do any good and usually uh, despoils the most beautiful thing in life, love. Therefore, if we can once believe the re in reincarnation, we would realize that fear is wasted effort because though we have suffered death and pain often before we are here again, fear is something of our own making and it paralyzes us and renders us stupid. Also, we can see that it is better not to think evil, unkind, or worried thoughts because by doing so, we are causing effects which we, we will have a lot of work in putting right again, karma. Thoughts are things, and when we unloose an ugly or harmful thing into the world, we shall be obliged to remove it. Thoughts persist in the ethereal regions and are connected with the one who made them until they are disintegrated through his effort. Now, that's, that's an interesting and fascinating concept because, to me, we've all had, you know, horrible, horrible thoughts about things. And, you know, we've gone to gone great sufferings, everybody has jealousies, uh, pettiness, envy, um, hate, hatred. Hatred is probably one of the biggest, you know, injecting harm and horrors on people. But, you know, we have to overcome that, you know, even though, you know, through forgetting about it, you know, forgetting our hatred, forgetting, not feeding the fire, um, forgetting our hurt, not forgetting that, our grief, forgetting those things, because we continually feed those things, and as we continue to feed them, then they become bigger and greater and more harmful to us and create greater and greater karma in our lives. You know, that has to be corrected. Again, thoughts persist in the ethereal regions and are connected with the one who made them until they are disintegrated his effort. The fourth great law is that of the plane of creation, which teaches us about the seven planes. We learn that the whole of the solar system is built upon an orderly numerical system and a set of seven uh, indefinitely graded uh, types of matter, substance, or as the mystics and cultists call them, planes. These planes meet one another, delicately graded uh, sequence of interpenetrating vibrations with which the modern scientist is experimenting today and which we discussed in Chapter 2. The, the scope of this discovery lies roughly between the phenomenon of sound with the lowest vibration at about 16 to the, to the, 16 to the second uh, to that of X-rays, uh, whose highest vibration is estimated at 2,305,000 uh, I'm sorry, wow. Now, this is two trillion. Yeah, two, yeah, two, two trillion. Three hundred and five billion, eight hundred and forty-three million, uh, nine thousand, or nine hundred thousand uh, per second. These vibrations constitute a portion of what is known as the chemical or physical world of planes. 
tabulate seven times as much as this. Between because they postulated seven worlds of different kinds of life, interpenetrating and influencing one another, through which uh, were uh, functioning the various life forces, currents, rays, thoughts, emotions, and archetypes of form, which combine to produce life as it is, and all its uh, different complexities. They had all this thoroughly worked out and understood uh, just how these different forces were connect, concentrated into man's body through the channels of his various glands. The doctors of today are still struggling with the unknown functions of some of these glands because they have not had the inspiration to uh, refer to the ancient knowledge and unravel the symbolism in which it was presented. This symbolism was arranged and used both to, to awe the public and keep them from a knowledge which might be dangerous when in the hands of the ignorant and unprincipled, and in much the same way as Latin is employed today by doctors. In times of high national morale, more and more of these secrets were given out and understood by the public. But in periods of decadence and materialism, the priests and rulers themselves deteriorated, and the knowledge was hidden away and guarded by the few remaining initiates or sages. We are emerging from a long period of such materialism at present, and that is why doctor, priest, and public are um, confronted with the task of learning a great deal um, all over again and revising the knowledge that was hidden away and guarded by the few remaining initiates or sages. We are emerging from a long period of such materialism at present, and that is why doctor, priest, and public are confronted with the task of learning a great deal all over again and revising the knowledge of their ancestors before they can carry things a step further. This revision was begun by an end at the end of the last century by such people as Madame Blavatsky through the theosophists, by the Christian scientists, by Mesmer, and by a host of others who aroused the public desire to penetrate once more into the fundamental meaning of life and its ultimate purpose. Since, this mod, since then, modern methods have been used to unearth the ancient wisdom and once more reinstate it. Some people say, what do we want with the past? Let us go forward and be practical. But as we have not yet been able to improve in some respects upon conceptions of art, architecture, mathematics, ethics, and science of some of those very ancient civilizations to any degree, it will surely be worth our while to study the foundations upon which their mentalities were built. The four great laws which we have enumerated in this chapter were a part of those foundations. We hear people say, oh, the East is degenerated and effeminate, and social conditions there are terrible. Therefore, of what use has the ancient wisdoms been? Well, people like this should think further, realizing that the higher one mounts, the lower one can fall, and degeneracy is the result of laziness, slackness, and subsequent distortion of teaching as an and has nothing what to, well, I'm sorry, has nothing whatever to do with the pure teaching of the religion in its original form, which is nearly always fine. We have only to consider the origin, original teaching of Christ, observing how we 
be revealed with a little study, in spite of this translation and censorship to which it has been subjected. It is very necessary to see life as a whole and realize that we can obtain a high state of mental balance and vision only when we attempt to link together the past, present, and future and all the sciences into one comprehensive and comprehensible picture. Um, I had to pass and I had to go We kind of, many times, through materialism, consumerism, technology, and so on, has pretty much lost his soul. I lost his understanding of that third eye and his diet and his uh, daily routines. It made him stupid, basically, to the to the basic things um, and to the secret knowledge that's not been told. The next uh, the next chapter I wanted to discuss was uh, chapter four, which was how we are made. The secret knowledge explains to us in quite a scientific way how we are made. We have seen that modern scientists have worked out the whole of physical or chemical life to a scale of atoms vibrating at different speeds. The ancients called this uh, great scale the physical plane. A plane mean, meant a plane meant some, uh, I'm sorry, a plane meant a complete series of worlds of substance under one law. A phys the physical plane includes solids, liquids, gases, and ethers, of which they are told there are four. Uh, that total is up to seven states of matter, which go to make up the densest and chemical expression of life uh, called the physical plane. We must remember that these states of matter are mostly able to interpenetrate each other, as we saw in Chapter one. I believe I might have I read that integration in chapter, but uh, to, to 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 recap the fact that there are seven physical there are not physical but seven planes. Okay, and we discussed this in this particular chapter. The physical plane includes, of course, our solar system with its solids, gases, and chemical rays. Now, the ancient wisdom teaches that life is made up of seven planes or states of matter, of which the physical plane is only one, the densest, or in wireless parlance, the one of lowest frequency. We are told that each of the seven major planes is divided into seven subplanes or strata, just as is the physical plane, each plane and each stratum being a mirror or counterpart of one or another series. Take the seven colors of the spectrum and split them up into seven shades of each other, of each color, and you have a simile. And let the um, seven darkest shades represent the physical plane, and the seven palest and most luminous uh, represent the spiritual plane. And you will see how closely they are all connected with each other, even taking into account the complementary colors. 
flames are neither above nor below one another, but interpenetrating those which we think of as above, being of higher frequency from the standpoint of vibration. Bear in mind that all these things are very difficult to put into words. Everything in life, from a planet to a fly, from a cloud to a grain of sand, is interpenetrated by all these seven planes or worlds, and in most cases has a body with which to function in each of them. Man possesses a body made up of the material of the physical plane world, a body containing chemical and liquid, solid and gaseous state. This body is interpreted, inter, interpenetrated rather, uh, by another body, which is uh, its counterpart and is made up of the four ethers. This is called his etheric body and constitutes a fine web through which the electric and radiant life forces are fed into his physical body from the outer universe. The, this completes a man's physical plane equipment. The next of the seven planes is called the astral world. It is called by some the desire world, as it is the sphere of emotions or desires. It contains the substance that stirs or motivates us. It is the world of attraction and repulsion. Man has a body of his astral material, which is in full action when he is roused, excited, afraid, or full of a desire. These feelings being, as we know, sometimes quite divorced from and stronger than our reasoning minds. It is possible for man, the individual, to separate his astral body from his physical body and wander about in it. Such, as, such an astral body can be seen by the astral eyes of another person who will speak of it as a ghost. Everything physical has its counterpart in astral substance so that a man wandering in his astral body can see chairs and tables, or rather, their astral counterparts. The counterparts of physical things are made up of the lowest and densest stratum of the astral uh, material, whereas the counterparts of thoughts and, and feelings are made up of the subtle and malleable kinds of astral stuff. This uh, has been described by clairvoyance, as a moving and shimmering kaleidoscope of swiftly interchanging colors. The astral world is therefore most impossible to visualize by anyone who has not been able to see it, but a vague idea of it can be obtained by a study of the various um, descriptions given to us by clairvoyance of all times. The third of the seven great planes is the, word, is the world of thought or mind. The densest stratum of this plane contains our own more worldly and material um, thoughts. The finer stratum are used by cosmic intelligences for planning the archetypes, activities of the universe. That is why if we can contact, contact the higher strata of the mind world or mental plane by training the corresponding parts of our brains as all the sages have endeavored to do, we shall gain inconceivable knowledge. The world of thought is even more difficult for us to picture than the astral world. But as a beginning, let us realize that it is said to be 
to interpenetrate all of life, like a sort of forceful gas. It is not confined to the brain, which latter acts more like a kind of telephone switchboard to all the thoughts which pass through it. The fourth plane is that of the will, or life spirit. And it is of this world that the real individual, the ego, is a part. It is the ego who uses the physical, astral, and mind bodies as tools with which to achieve his purpose. When they are omnipotent, and uh, or the, when they are completely under his control and in harmony and balance, one with another, he becomes omnipotent and has achieved conquest over matter. He can, after careful training, shed his physical body like a coat and leaving it um, safely in the nourishing care of his etheric web, continue his activities in his other bodies or vehicles, as they are called. When he wishes to return, he slips back into the cramping and restricting burden, which is his outer coating of flesh. We call this waking up or returning to consciousness, as the case may be. He has often brought back useful knowledge which would benefit mankind, but the jar of contact, once again with the heavy earth vibrations, is so harsh that it usually snaps the thread of memory of the preceding activities, unless the person has been specifically or specially trained. We have now come to a point where words are no longer even of the slightest help. So we will not attempt to describe the remaining three of the seven great planes, those three which carry the consciousness through to a contact with the world of the divine creator himself. It takes courage even to think, let alone speak, of such untranslatable wonders. But we do need such courage, and man is therefore obliged to reduce them to the tiny physical plane conceptions able to be grasped by his five limited senses. Daring, however, is not without its reward, provided the motive is sincere. So man soon learns that he is more than an animal. This is this is achieved through deep meditation. Some people can call it prayer, but it's such a deep, deep, meditation to be able to contact the creator and when you and when you do contact the creator it's you find that that creator is within yourself it's deep in your existence he's part of you and that part of you that you need to discover he's that part of you that looks out to the third eye he's that part of you that that senses all things you know spiritual um, and reacts to pain, reacts to grief, reacts to sorrow and loss. And it, it, it's 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 a strange thing, but for all, but we react to these things on all different levels, on all these seven different levels. us reacts to these things on the most on the most 
that's what we're that's what we're headed into here. And I wanted to continue without being too sidetracked. Um, um, We have now come to a point where words are no longer no longer even of the slightest help. I know I read this, but I wanted to reiterate. So we will not attempt to describe the remaining three of the seven great planes, those three which carry the consciousness through to a contact with the world of the divine creator himself. It takes courage even to think, let alone speak, of such untranslatable wonders. But we do need such courage, and man is therefore obliged to reduce them to the tiny physical plane conceptions, able to be grasped by the five limited senses. Daring, however, is not without its reward. Provided the motive is sincere, so man soon learns that he is more than an animal. The seven planes then comprise the material of which the whole evolving universe is made. The physical plane, or solid world, takes up the smallest space because it is condensed, and we can see it everywhere with our physical eyes. The etheric counterparts protrude an inch or two outside all living objects and can be seen with the help of the culinary glass screens. The astral body protrudes to a still further extent and is described by the clairvoyant who can tell uh, a great deal about the individual by looking at it. Our Earth also has an astral body, of course, which stretches far, very far out from its comforts. And incidentally, we shall have to accustom ourselves to the idea that the Earth is a living creature, as are also the planets. The astral world is the world wherein the fourth dimension is to be found and understood. If you can imagine having eyes that see right through everything in all directions at once, you are visualizing your condition when functioning in the astral world. The thought world, or mental plane, or that part of it, which is the thought body of our Earth, extends still further outward into interplanetary space. It presents a marvelous field of exploration to the mystic and the occultist. The world of such spirits occupies still larger space. The finest stratum of these is the final world of divine force, embraces all and flows uninterruptedly through everything. By this we can see what is meant when we are told that God or heaven is within us. We are each able to contact the word the world of spirit within our own little bodies because in the final analysis it is the life of that world which is inter interpreting or I'm sorry, interpenetrating and sustaining us. We have taken but a superficial glance at the law of the seven planes. It is open to us to reject or accept such a hypothesis as we choose. But the exhaustive way in which all the workings of these planes have been analyzed gives us a most interesting and suggest study fully of amazing and thrilling 
the body of ether, interpenetrating this first body of reason of his higher and finer vibrations and acting as an intermediary between it and the outer ether, a channel through which all the magnetic life forces are fed to it. Thirdly, he owns an astral uh, or ghost body, interpenetrating the other two and having much the same high speed of movement as electricity at which speed he can travel with polarized entirely in the astral body as in sleep. Fourthly, there is his mental body and well-known instances of thought telepathy traveling right across the world in the space of a few seconds proves us to us the speed at which we can function while in this body. We often hear of cases of people appearing to their friends at the moment of their death, although living in a distant land. Man's spiritual body is composed of the finest and most highly high-frequency vibrations of all, and for that reason take control of all the lower ones. It can travel so fast that it can appear to be everywhere at once, and when man can consciously function in his spirit body, he is able finally to conquer time and space, which only belong to a seventh part of the universe, the physical plane. So I want to repeat that again because I, 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 that, that is so critical for what we are in our spiritual body is, is so um, So powerful, so potent. It is who we are. You know, it is our greatest, greatest strength. It is what we are. It's what we lose when we die. Our, 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 I mean, it's not what we lose when we die. It's what we get. We, we become when we die. It's all. It's what we're. It's what's left uh, when our physical body is gone. Right? It's very hard for present. Man's spiritual body is composed of the finest and most high-frequency vibrations of all and can, for that reason, take control of all the lower ones. It can travel so fast that it can appear to be everywhere at once. When man can consciously, consciously function in his spirit body, he is able finally to conquer time and space, which only belong to a seventh part of the universe, the physical planet. It is very hard for present-day materially-minded man to visualize these planes and bodies, but he must not allow his brain to remain inferior to that of the early races. The Egyptians, for instance, were quite at home with this knowledge and drew the, name, the named and different bodies of man on tombs and on frescoes. According to some authorities, they symbolized them as follows. They called the physical body cat, a dead fish. The symbol was a crow of dead fish and perhaps was chosen because the fish is the only animal without an astral counterpart and therefore the most physical of all creatures is a fish. I didn't know that. It's interesting that it is. Number one, the etheric double was called Ka and uh, symbolized as the vehicle or holder of the body but a breast and two uh, uh, by a breast and
master body, Ba, um, symbolizing it as a human-headed bird, or a bird um, being a traveler through space. And the spirit was represented by a lotus, which is able to rise out of the darkness and mud to reach the light. But it's just not Kat Kaba, but it, it's interesting that the Ka and the Ba were incorporated in a Merkaba, which is the interdimensional time machine, basically, interdimensional uh, uh, machine that we uh, travel through our
recorded by instruments and the power of the spirit body demonstrated by innumerable miracles. It is natural to be skeptical about many of these things, but we who, but he who is wise will keep in mind an open mind until he has fairly tested the various proofs available to him. And uh, I'm going to take a second here, but I, I, there's so many, there's so much out there. There's so many classifications and contemplations and meditations and workshops and, you know, everything that people have, have tried over the years and many centuries and millenniums. But the problem, the problem and the great problem is, is that what we instinctively know, what we spiritually know, what we etherically know and astrally know and what, what, what our entire body and mind state and say to us, our external world, those in control, or those who think they're in control of, our, of, our, of the world and who are for, you know, purposes of, of gain, you know, personal selfish gain, right, and, 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 and control, um, want to want to put away this stuff, want us to put away this stuff, want us to get confused by all this stuff, right? uh, don't want us to know or even trust ourselves when we see and feel, we can't they're saying, oh, don't trust what you see or what you feel or what you uh, what you know, you know. Don't trust that. Trust us. You know, we feel better than you. We know better than you, and we uh, do better than you, and whatever, whatever, you know. <laughs> whatever. Uh, well, whatever it is, these people die, these people eat, these people, you know, go to the bathroom, okay? These people do everything that we do. The only difference is, is what right have they to tell you how to feel, how what to what how you feel? Um, you know, they can say you can't do that, you can't feel that way, you can't say that, you can't, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. All right? Then it's like, you know, who the hell are they? Who the hell are they that are telling us to do this stuff? Oh. People know, and people like this lady, uh, uh, um, just trying to tell you that. She's trying to show you the way again, you know, make it simple. And I just found out that this particular book I'm reading was actually printed in 1960, but there is another book. There is the same book that was actually written in 1938, reprinted again in 1947, and again in 1960, and again in 19. It's only gone through a number of reprints, but uh, uh, and by different uh, uh, by different uh, publishers, right? And you can actually find a copy of this book on Amazon. It's really really cheap. It's only 6.95. Uh, this is more like a manual. The one I'm reading from here now, it's uh, 8 by 12 
chapter five of this book is called How We Are Classified. And I'm hoping I can, maybe I can get through this this chapter. I'm not sure, but uh, it says we are told that the attainment of wisdom and power can only be acquired through study and knowledge of ourselves. We have also uh, we have seen also that the same laws govern the whole universe, and that if man can understand some of the laws governing himself or the tiniest atom, uh, he will have a clue to those which govern the solar system and the greater system to which they belong. Well, scientists have discovered that an atom closely resembles a miniature solar system, and this leads us to the thought that perhaps our greater solar system is in turn is one of millions of atoms forming the body of some uh, great being who is too vast for us to picture. And such a being might feel small compared to the world which he in turn finds surrounding himself. Let us carry this idea a little further. The atoms, the stars forming the cells, constellation of the body of this vast being should not should not appear to be far apart to him, seen by him, uh, they would be intimately connected with each other, there being strong chemical reactions and influences between them, just as with the cells. There's uh, um, there's an illustration here of a man, a body of a man standing, and uh, at the top of his head, it's called the link with wisdom. His heart is the is the center of force. It's basically chakras. The seven bodies of man, the seven chakras. Right. Um, his uh, they're showing physical body, etheric body, astral body, mental body, and the spiritual body. Okay, are outside of him. Okay, the physical body, and then the etheric body is outside, a step outside. Astral body further outside of him mental body, and spiritual body. And these are the seven bodies of man. Uh, Just as with the cells in our own bodies, uh, when an atom from one of our own cells is examined, it is found to be composed of a proton or sun surrounded by various numbers of electrons or planets, all vibrating at set speeds. Now we are told that the proton is so small a part of the atom that it can be compared with a bee buzzing inside a cathedral, so that if we could become small enough to cling to that proton, we should certainly feel as if we were clinging to a star in a mighty space, and it would be difficult to believe that our star was part of an atom in the cell of a very solid body. Some scientists now claim that the ether itself is a denser than the planets that swing through it. So, you see, we must reserve ideas about the solidity until we are a little better informed, which, which, which goes into the concept of quantum physics, you know, and, and uh, nothing really exists, <laughs> and most everything is a, you know, hologram, you know, because... Essentially, we see everything in our spiritual body. Our spirit is, uh, our spiritual body is, is, is 
blocks. You know, that third eye is being blocked. All right? So it's groping in itself, trying to find, you know, a way to, to, to see. Okay? So instead of being able to visualize, see, it instead feels. It starts to grow through our senses and, and our physical senses. So we feel... Uh, we feel everything that the spiritual body should act, uh, actually see, you know, yeah. because the avenues that it works through within our body, okay, are being clouded up. The, the, the penile glands, the third eye is being blocked and calcified by our diet, by fluoridation, all right, definitely, and by other things. And the one thing one of the great things which I've read that actually opens and clears the third eye. And for anybody who's used marijuana, they understand the, the value of it to do that. But it calcifies, it de it clears the line, the, uh, the the third eye, and allows you to perceive things through the spirit, to see things spiritually, to see things multidimensionally and see things in a, in a much greater perspective, uh, a spiritual perspective, if you will. And it's so fascinating because God has given us these things, this great, great, he's given us all the medicines in the world and plants, you know, all around us, the air we breathe and the water we drink. Everything's there to, to, to medicate our bodies, but only the pharmaceuticals and the, and the oil companies and the governments want to restrict these things, pollute these water, pollute these things, restrict these medicines, restrict our uses of these things and weaken us with, with their own poisonous uh, foods and water and drinks and alcohol and you name it, all right, and uh, sugars. The point made in this case is that through visualizing our vast giant, we can better understand the intimate relation in which the stars stand to each other, composed of chemicals held together by force or energy. The radiations from each star and planet strongly affect each other, carrying them, um, carrying with them chemicals in a very fine and subtle form. Thus, from the planet Mercury, we should expect to receive fine and we should expect to receive rays of the wavelength that belongs to Mercury and containing Mercury itself in a fine form. Also, certain other chemicals which are, are contained in the planet to the lesser degree. As our solar system is believed to have been formed from the splitting up of the one star, every planet, every man, and every atom within it must still be held and connected one with another by the interplay of in identical uh, chemical radiations. As an example, it is said that a ruby is actually a fragment of that part of the original star, which finally broke away to form the planet Mars. The astrologer makes careful calculations of the chemical and spiritual influences set up by the continual changing of the related relative positions of the planets and luminaries, sun and moon, and of their effect upon the microcosm or tiny replica, which is man. The microcosmic 
his positive side, his character, are determined by this zodiacal sign in which the sun is found at his birth. His personality, or negative side, is determined by the sign in which the moon is found at his birth. When he is born, he is tuned in, as it were, to the play of the planetary influences at the time, and the vibrations set up within him rule him all his life, determining his reaction, both chemical and characteristic, and the environment which they attract. It is in this way that people are classified. There are at present scientific uh, experiments in uh, progress whose object is to indicate the differing results of inaugurating the same chemical mixture at various phases of the planet. Also, the different reactions at such times in plants and animals. The ancient sages had a great knowledge of this fascinating subject and considered it of paramount importance. First of all, they conducted endless studies about the planets, and we call the results of their research astronomy. Okay? They next made extraordinarily complicated and exhaustive studies of the combined influences of the planets on both the Earth and human beings according to their different positions in the heavens of various times. And the result of this particular research have come down to us embodied in another science, which we call astrology. Astrology divides the heavens into 12 portions, rather like the divisions of an orange. These, um, this division, called the 12 signs of the zodiac, uh, correspond roughly with this 12 months of the year. Each of these signs is governed by one of the planets. According to the month of the year in which you were born, you can tell which sign rules your life, and consequently what sort of health you may expect to enjoy and what your characteristics will be. And astrology is such a lengthy study and so difficult to science that there are few really expert astrologers in the world. Those few who do exist usually belong to a family of astrologers whose teachings have been handed down for generations. A genuine astrologer must make complete calculations of the interplay of influences, chemical and otherwise, of every planet upon the person or subject under consideration. But anyone can make a beginning with a simple study of the 12 signs of the zodiac and although the information gained is only a generalization, it is close to the truth and therefore helpful and can be used by those who have not learned to cast a horoscope. Uh, good, good, good time to end here, and I uh, this this and I'll continue this work next week on uh, next Thursday night um, because uh, it, it's some really fascinating stuff here in this book and. Um, it goes into uh, the astrology. But also, interestingly enough, um, it talks about the diseases that we that each sign is prone to, which is really fascinating. And a few people like myself and Lila and other people uh, under these signs, we all suffer 
signs. It's phenomenal. Phenomenal. So I'm going to get into this, but I, I, one thing I wanted to mention before we leave is my friend uh, passed away, Bill, Bill Marshall, and also George uh, Dixon were also astrologers. You know, they uh, Bill was was uh, he didn't like calling himself an astrologer. He said he was a cosmobiologist, and there were very few of those in the country and the world uh, with the expertise that Bill had. But um, his his predictions were, were, were extremely accurate, and uh, I think we've talked about those before, and I may talk about them again in the next show. But for the time being, I want to thank everybody who joined me tonight. Hope you enjoyed the show. Hope the sound quality came out a lot better. Um, stop there with me. We'll make sure it does. I, you know, but uh, just turn up your speakers, and yeah, uh, hopefully it'll all work out. Uh, in the meantime, uh, again, I want to thank everybody who joined me tonight, and uh, please join us next week. Um, you might ask why I don't do all these shows uh, this way, and I've been tempted to do that over time, but I think I have a calling that that I've always had that I believe I need to bring news to people I need to in order to understand this segment of my uh, work of my show, my program I think you have to understand the others too because part of me but more so it expresses my concerns and my reasons why I do this specific program because I feel permitted to my listeners and my readers of my website and so on um, to 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 display a broad broad as broad a, a display to communicate my um, myself as much as possible. I don't know. Maybe maybe I don't. Maybe I'm overrating what I have to say. But I believe everybody has something to say. You know, I've devoted many, many, many years of my life to understanding the message that I have um, created and ways to messages through poetry, through art, through photography, through, you know, these programs, through video, um, you know, through, uh, uh, and, and through the psychic mediums as well. And uh, because of that, we are headed into this It's brought me to this trans-dimensional awareness of the trans-dimensionalism of my own life, but also of life in general. And it's led me to this book and to explain these things to you, to how we are broken down into seven. We have seven um, uh, spheres. Uh, and I talked about the, the, the different dimensions within ourselves, and the the first, second, third, you know, uh, dimensions are all there, and, and it's kind of inverted from this, but from what I've talked about tonight, but not really. Um, you know, though we we everything is operating in the physical plane here. All of these seven dimensions are all within me, within you, and. 
our knowledge is to, 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 to give you warnings of what's out there to protect you, you know, um, as well as we give you understandings of what politically is going on, what uh, emotionally or environmentally is going on, internationally is going on, and why these things are happening. And, and we, you know, we haven't talked about the universal consciousness since uh, for many, many number of years now since George uh, left us, but um, part of that, and it's all part of relating to that again, and we can see it. I see it daily. I see it all coming together and why there are so many wars and why there's so many conflicts and why there's so many... And it's all for... I don't know. It's, it's all because... Well, we can't turn the other cheek, I guess. You know? We can't... We can't get to a part, a state in ourselves where we can rise rise above it all, you know, and look from it from above us, you know, rather than beneath it or directly at it. We have to rise above it. We have to look beyond the hurt, beyond the pain, beyond the the whatever it is, the sorrow and the grief and the enemies and the, look beyond it. Escape from it. You know, just get away from it. You know what I mean? Just get the heck away from it. You know, I believe that we are all refugees of our, from ourselves. And in case, instead of being a refugee of yourself, wars of yourself, wars within yourself, come back to yourself and show all these rebellious thoughts, these thoughts of doom and gloom and, you know, tragedy and sorrow and mayhem and misery. Throw them out of you. Throw them out of yourself. Just get rid of them. Throw them. Just forget about them. Throw them out. And try each day to concentrate on your peace of mind. Center yourself. Center your soul for an hour a day. 20 minutes a day. Whatever it takes. Two hours in a day if you have the time. Uh, or three hours, or four hours, but med meditate, concentrate, be aware of yourself, you know, be aware of yourself. And once you become aware of yourself, in that center, then it, your voice, your inner voice will speak to you, and it will tell you what to do, it will tell you how to feel, because it will be free. You'll be free. And I can tell you that as I, every year that I age, every day that I age, but every year that I get older, I look back and I say, why did I fight so hard? Why did I hate so much? Why did I fear? Why did I, why? When it was all within me to, to, to get out of it. All I had to do was forget about it and go on. Get away from it, because it was dragging me down. It was dragging me down. It was killing me. It was filling me with anxiety and hatred and uh, distrust and, you know, petty jealousies and petty fights and, you know, just, yeah. But 
that's what the world has become. And that's what I'm trying to fight with this media. That's what I'm trying to fight every day. Okay? To try to fight. It's probably not a good word, but try to overcome. Try to overcome by enlightening, by enlightening myself, but also by enlightening those that come to listen to me or read my work or, you know, listen to my shows. And uh, I thank you for that, and I wish you a good evening, good weekend, and I will talk to you again next week. Um, thank you.